You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I'm really excited for this also. And at this time, the choir is going to sing uh, the Midnight Cry. Just while they're getting ready, I want to just take a moment and uh, thank everyone who helped with VBS last or last week. Yesterday, uh, Kim uh, is they're going to uh, Mississippi, her and Kurt. But uh, uh, man, Kim just organizes the entire thing, and these guys come and help. Uh, these three fellows that you see sitting up here on the second row, and everyone who come and uh, took part in that, helped out, volunteered in any way, we're so so thankful for that. I know it's uh, I know it's a work, it's a sacrifice, it's a commitment. But it uh, sure did make a, makes, makes a difference. There was 38 kids here that we were able to uh, share the gospel with, and both in word and deed. So just wanted to thank y'all. Amen. Now you pray for the choir, and I thank them for their hard work that they put in. Pray for them as they sing.
Amen. I'm excited for that. I want to give them just a, a, a second to move. Uh, would you turn in your hymn book, please? Uh, number 12. 1, 2, 12. He touched me. Oh, the joy that floods my soul. That's number 12. And you can stand with me, please, when you're able. This is another good song. I just like to smile. I like to praise the Lord with this song. He touched me. I've never been the same. Number 12. Shackled by a heavy burden Beneath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me And now I am no longer the same He touched me song. You can be seated. At this time, uh, my wife and I were going to sing a song. I don't know how to introduce myself. My favorite singer and I are going to sing a song. Uh, His love is amazing. Uh, Give us just a second. Just a second.
can be dismissed to junior church at this time. I do so appreciate the, uh, the singing today. Wasn't that wonderful? Man, I appreciate people sharing their gifts and talents. And uh, I do want to remind you once again, so excited about this week coming up. Try to be here uh, every service. If you could possibly be here every service, be here uh, 7 o'clock uh, Wednesday, 7 o'clock Thursday, 7 o'clock Friday, and then on, back again on Sunday. We have the Rochester family here. Uh, and boy, they're, they're coming a long way to sing to you and preach to you, so you might as well show up, amen, if you can. So, uh, but no, we're going to be uh, just, what a joy, celebrating 11 years since our very first service, and I'm so thankful for what the Lord's done in that time. All right, if you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 4. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, we've been introduced to a leader and a people who have made up their minds that living a broken-down life was no longer acceptable. Living a broken-down, limited life was no longer acceptable. Men and women who believed God's promise for an abundant life. God sent a message to them. A man of God came to them by the name of Nehemiah and said, Folks, that we've been in reproach. You've been broken down. The city's been broken down for too long. God wants to do something for His glory, for our good, for His glory in your life. See, Jesus said in John 10, 10, He said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. See, the mission of Jesus that was stated right there, coming that people might have life and might have abundant life. Folks, that is the mission of Elk Point Baptist Church as well. See, my heart breaks when I see people living lives without joy, peace, and forgiveness. But I'm telling you, so in one side, when I see people with their lives just seemingly broken down, the walls broken down to where they've just been robbed and they've been pillaged, and so many of them just think, this is the way it's got to be. This is the way I've got to live. And so my heart breaks, but at the same time, it motivates me. It motivates me to share with them and to let them know what God can do in their life. Share the Word of God. Share the good news of what the Lord can do. And so Nehemiah, in the same way, if you remember, he had a broken heart over the state of the city of Jerusalem. And, but, but through what God did, Nehemiah told the people that, they, that God had a better life for them, a life for their good and for His glory, they responded with zero hesitation. Notice their mind of faith. Nehemiah 2.18, we're in Nehemiah 4, but I'm just reminding you of this verse. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, also the king's words that he had spoken unto me, and they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So I, I love this. Nehemiah comes and he says, Folks, I'm here to tell you that God's hand is on me, and God's got a purpose. God's got a plan, and we just need to get with it. And without, zero, without any hesitation, they just said, Let's do it. What needs to be done? Where do we sign up? Let's rise up and build. They strengthened their hands. And so I'm trying to emphasize today that they had a mind of faith. They believed God. But not only did they have a mind of faith, that faith is proved in the fact that they had a mind of action. It's pretty interesting so far in studying Nehemiah, we don't really have a whole lot recorded outside of the words I just told you, let us rise and build. Uh, we don't have much else recorded of the things the people were saying. But we have a lot recorded about what the people were doing, right? Because we know that talk is cheap, isn't it? Talk is cheap. But they didn't just talk. They got to work. So they had a mind of faith. They had minds of actions. Not only that, they, we, we found out last time that they had a mind of unity. In other words, they, they got together. If you'll remember in chapter 3, next unto him, next unto him, next unto him. These people got together and worked together. They had a mind of unity. They were flexible. They didn't say, well, this is what I can do, and I'm not willing to do anything else. Because if you remember, uh, one of the great uh, parallels I love between the people building the wall around Jerusalem and us today is that these weren't a bunch of brick masons. These weren't a bunch of contractors. These people had never probably built, many of them never built one thing in their lives. Some of them probably had never even had a callus on their hands. But God called those people. 
and said, I'm going to use you. And so they were flexible. They just said, okay, if God said we can do it, we can do it. And so they had a mind that was so far affected by what God's Word says. See, up to this point, they also, in chapter 4, verse 6, as we'll see in just a moment, we'll find out that they had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. I'm glad the people in this church have a mind to work. I really am. Because there is a great work to be done, is there not? And I'm telling you, it is worth doing. And everything that we do here communicates the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ do? The, Lord, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is welcoming, isn't it? It invites whosoever will, let him come to me. Well, you know what? For those who work on this landscaping, who have done work on this building, who've done work in that parking lot, from the moment people drive by, they, they, there ought to be a gospel message that they see. And that message ought to be, come to me. Come. Right? Uh, and, and so that, that's exactly it. You come in the doors. Somebody cleaned. Somebody made an effort. Somebody, uh, you know, uh, did some work. And you know what that says? Hey, come. This place is prepared. See, the gospel is prepared for whosoever will. And so those who work in this church, every bit of it uh, adds and communicates the gospel message. You come in and, and, and everything that's done, the way people are treated, the, the, the way the facilities are, you know, which is still a work in progress, but we're working. All of these ought to be a gospel message in and of themselves as well as our lives. And so the people had a mind to work. And up to this point, everything's been going good. I'm saying all this because, to me, I think there's a lot of us in here that can identify with this passage. I think that we can think of that, that, that there's been times that many of us responded in faith. When we heard, number one, that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again the third day so that we might have real life in Him that this life is not about some religion. It's not about just trying to be a religious person. It's not about trying to live up all we can, but it's about finding a purpose and accepting Christ as our Savior, the price that He paid for us, and then living out His purpose on this earth. So like the people that Nehemiah spoke to, we heard the Word of God and said, okay, what do I do? You know, in other words, we got involved in the, in, in the local church. We just said, okay, Lord, I'm willing to do what I can, just like these people did. They had a mind of faith. They had a, they had a mind of action, just like many of us. Many of us are here today. Many people are serving in here today. A mind of action, a mind of unity, all of these things. And isn't it wonderful when you're doing what God wants you to do and God is blessing? It really is. But notice the very first word of chapter number 4. And it's a simple word. Sometimes it can be a good word, but it's not always a good word. And it's but. But. And, uh, and for you that's so juvenile out there today, there's only one T, okay? Uh, but. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. Now, we don't use the word wrath very often. What's that word mean? Angry. And took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are now burned. Folks, what we find out is that in the midst of everything seemingly going great, I mean, uh, you know, people are blessed, people are happy, people are growing. I just imagine these people working together on this wall. And, and man, they're making progress. I imagine they're getting along well. I imagine just everything is just peachy and just wonderful. And then all of a sudden, there's a big butt that comes into the picture, and it's sand ballot. It's the enemy. It's someone who is not happy about what God is doing in these people's lives. Uh, you know, can I just uh, throw this in here right quick? I always ask if I can do stuff, but I don't think anybody's going to stop me, but, uh, so I'll just do it. But, uh, but I, I think, have you ever known, I've, I've known people that I've worked with. I can think of one person in, in particular, Daniel, a guy that I worked with, 
And, uh, man, I had the, the, the great opportunity to, to get to know him. He was a, a pretty pagan fella. He, he, he had a filthy mouth. He lived a pretty filthy life. Uh, but I, I tried to faithfully witness to him, and I was his friend and did what I could. And, uh, and, and, and over a period of time, he began to confide in me, have, you know, have me pray for him about certain things, talk to me about things that was going on in his life. And eventually, man, what a day it was when he came up to me to work on a Monday morning. He, I, I saw him, and I just saw him strutting up to me. He kind of strutted when he walked. Uh, but he just strutted right up to me, stuck out his hand, and he said, I want to shake your hand. He said, I got saved yesterday. And he said, I would, not have, I would have not got saved if it hadn't been for you. And it wasn't, you know, what, God did use me, but it was the Lord. What a blessing that was. Man, what, but you know what happened just almost right away? Some of his religious friends that found out he was coming to our church, uh, that, then they got interested in him. See, while he was living a wicked life, being a wicked person, whatever, that's just Daniel. But all of a sudden he gets saved and these people swoop in there. Oh, well, now you can't go to that church. You know, no, you need to come over to church with us. You need to go to church where your family... You ever, anybody else ever experienced something like that? You ever want to ask them the question, where have you been? Where have you been? You didn't seem to care a week ago, but now you care. But that's a whole other story. That's what religious you know, proselytizers do. But, uh, but, but right away, they weren't happy. Not everybody's going to be happy. Uh, when I, whenever, whenever the Lord saved my soul and changed my life, some people thought that I joined a cult. My dad wasn't happy when I got saved. There was such a change in my life, he thought, man, there's something wrong with that boy. Uh, not everybody was happy about it. Uh, but, but the fact is, not everybody will be happy. And they weren't happy about what God was doing. Not everybody's ha- happy about what God's doing in this church. Would you believe that? It's true. They're not happy. And the devil certainly isn't happy. So there's this but. You, you see, I, I shared with you the verse earlier why Jesus came. He came, Jesus said, I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. But he also shared a warning in that same verse. He shared these words. The thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. So you've got Jesus on this side offering life to us and those around us, but then you've got the thief on this other side. He's trying to steal peace, joy, whatever God would have for you, even even the opportunity to to, to accept Christ as your Savior. You know what the Bible says that the the thief will do? Uh, Jesus gave gave an illustration about seed being sown. We're going to be preaching about the mind in just a moment, but seed. He said the Bible, the truths of God's Word are like seed. But the Bible says those birds of the air will come try to pluck it away, try to steal it. And you know what what Satan will try to do in in the midst of this service? If you're here today and you do not know for sure that you know Christ is your Savior... God is trying to work in your heart. His, the, the, his word is like seed trying to get to your heart. But I'm telling you, Satan's going to try to snatch it away. How many of you that are saved know what that's like? You're sitting in church and, and Ralph, Hy-Vee comes to try to snatch it away. Is that not right? I shouldn't even mention it, brother. I'm sorry. Uh, I, 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 I ate it and abetted right there unintentionally. But... But it's true. Satan will try to rob you of what, what God's doing in your life. The thief cometh not but for steal, kill, and destroy. See, all, you think about it, all we're trying to do, all you're trying to do is a work for God. You're trying to make your life better. You're trying to make a, a better life for your family and for your future. You're just trying to, to give yourself to make a difference in somebody else's life. But then the enemy comes along. I think about the children of Israel when God was working there. Then the Bible says, then came Amalek. I mean, there's just always something popping up. See, there's an arch enemy. And understand this very clearly. I've say, I say this pretty regularly because we need to be reminded of it. Our battle's not with flesh and blood. People are not our, our ultimate enemy. Satan uses them. Uh, he is the enemy. But, uh, but, but one of the ways we're going to look at today is this thing I believe that we could call psychological warfare. We could call it the battle of the mind or the battle for the mind. I've been struggling with the phrasing of that over the last 24 hours or so. But, uh, but he uses discouraging words. We read them, but just, we're, we're going to look at these and break them down each one just here in a moment because I believe they're some of the same things that we see today. Because here's what happens. 
If you don't care, if, if you're here today, I'm assuming that you probably care to some extent about your relationship with God, your life, whatever it may be. I believe that's probably why you're here today or why you may be listening today. But here's the thing about it. You need to understand this. Before these people started building, there was no battle. Before these people began to take steps toward having a transformed life, not only transforming their own lives, but transforming the, 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 their, the landscape for future generations, there was no battle. But the moment, we read about it actually in Nehemiah 2, the moment they began to take steps to obey God, the battle began. So, I'm just going to let you know right now, if you have any intentions of building, in other words, if you have any intentions of taking steps to do what God has said to do in your life, get ready for a battle. Because I promise you 100% it's coming. It's coming. See, you think about this, it's interesting because Sam Ballot and his crew, it's, the parallels are amazing to me. We can study this ancient book and this ancient scenario and see things that matter right here today in July of 2021. Because here's what they wanted to do. They want, what did I say? Okay. Uh, uh, wow, is it really? Okay. Uh, I got to change my cat. Y'all been wondering why I've been a day late all the time. I was working on last year's calendar. But what they wanted to do was keep the Jews weak and dependent on them. Man. They wanted to keep the Jews weak and dependent upon them and the people around them. Do you know there's a government that would like to keep us weak and dependent on them? There really is. There, there's sin. See, uh, see, if we're not careful, we find a lot of crutches in our lives, don't we? We find crutches. Instead of leaning on God, we lean on other things. And if we're not careful, we start leaning on things of the world. And Satan, he wants us to continue to lean on our addictions. He wants us to continue to lean on you know, the approval of others. He wants us to lean on all these different things. Why? Because as long as we do that, we're staying dependent. Because if we learn to begin to lean on God, He knows the power. He knows that He's going to lose His grip. He knows the stealing that He's been doing from our life is going to come to an end. And He knows that we're going to begin to experience the abundant life, which He does not want to happen, because He don't want us to experience that, and He don't want others to experience that through us. So as long as the people in Jerusalem were content with their sad lot, the enemy left them alone. But what we find out is this thing about, you know, and I'll read it once again. Look there again in verse 2. And he spake before his brethren, the army of Samaria, and said, What do these feeble Jews? And he gives four other things there to where he begins to try to get in their head. Do you want to know where the battle... We're going to read about different trials throughout this chapter, four different distractions, four different uh, devices that the enemy uses in this chapter. Uh, we're going to look at one today, but under this one of distress or discouragement, there's four that I want to look at, things that Satan tries to get in your head. Do you know how much of the battle of the Christian life is in the mind? Anybody know? It's really not a hard percentage to get, it's 100%. That's how much. He said, oh, no, no, that's, that's not really the case because I'm actually dealing with this physical thing right now. But yeah, how you deal with that physical thing is going to be in the mind. That's how you're going to decide how you end up dealing with it, see? It's 100%. And so, uh, we're going to look at a couple things here. Notice what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Um, I got this, Lay. Okay, thank you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. The Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare... We're talking about a battle here, folks. And we're not just saying that as a way of speaking. It's a real battle. The, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which just means of the flesh, of, uh, our, of our own strength. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Many of us have strongholds in our mind. You may have been saved for years, decades, and you still have strongholds in your mind. 
You have, you have fortresses, fortresses that were built long ago, but the Bible's telling us there that we can tear down these, uh, these, uh, Im- these Im- embattlements. We can tear down these strongholds. Notice what he says here in verse 5. Casting down imaginations. Now, what's the root word of imaginations? Image. Images. Things we see. Things we picture in our minds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And I'll hold up my Bible when I say the knowledge of God because you and I constantly battle what God says versus what the world says. What God says versus what we were told. Anybody ever told they were worthless? See, you can battle that knowledge that's a knowledge that tries to exalt itself against this knowledge because the bible says you're not worthless the bible says you matter the bible says you were created with purpose he you're fearfully and wonderfully made god god's word lets us know these things but so every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of god and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ see i want to say that we encounter this opposition why Because opposition, believe it or not, is evidence that God is blessing. (laughs) You know that? Uh, Opposition is evidence that God's blessing, and it's also an opportunity for us to grow. Satan wanted to use these problems as weapons to destroy the work, but God used them to help build His people. Now, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, his tools, his tricks. This chapter presents a few of these, and I want to get right into the, 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 these fiery darts that Paul warned us about. And the first one, which I mentioned already, is ridicule. Ridicule. Now, why did he, what did he ridicule them about? Laugh at them, mock at them about? The very first thing we mentioned is this, when it comes to the battle of the mind, he ridiculed their ability. He called them feeble Jews. The word feeble means withered, miserable. It's like a flower that's being cut. Uh, It's not living for too long after that, is it? It begins to wither. It begins to die. So he ridiculed their ability. Now, I want to say this. Now, I can talk about this stuff pretty clearly because what I'm going to be sharing with you today is things that I battle with, either on a regular basis or uh, have uh, before. And this is certainly one of them. He, he, he attacked them, he doubted, he mocked and ridiculed their ability. See, this plays on doubts that we already have. See, these people haven't had personal confidence in a long time. Remember, they have been living, just their city is tore down around them, they're vulnerable, they're weak, and they've just gotten used to it. But some time ago, just a a week or days or a couple weeks ago, this man comes and says, hey guys, man, God's got a purpose for your life. And all of a sudden they're like, okay. And God's call gives them confidence. They're like, let's get at it. But then the enemy says, wait, who do you think you are? You're you're feeble. You're weak. He ridicules, he laughs. He's like, oh, y'all, this is what you guys are going to do, huh? See, I've been seeing what you've been doing with your life. For the years leading up to this point, you're weak, you're feeble, you're cut down, you have no resources, you have nothing. So here they are. So here's the thing. Weak and feeble Jews, and you want to know something? They really weren't wrong as far as from an earthly perspective. These people had no human resources that, uh, that they could see. The enemy could not see what God had, what had been doing, doing on the inside of them. See, the people of the world, and sometimes as well as ourselves, don't realize how much God glories and loves to use the weak and feeble things of the world. Amen? And so, he accuses them of being feeble. Do you ever get it in your mind? Uh, You know, do you ever feel like an imposter almost? Uh, Do you ever feel like, man, because you're trying to be what God's called you to be as a husband, a wife, a, a young person, whatever it may be. But then you're like, but this ain't me. I'm that weak person. I'm that feeble person. I'm that person that struggles with these temptations over and over again. I'm the person that has the hardest time getting it right. 
You know, anybody else ever struggle with things like that? And so, you know, and I say imposter because there's this syndrome, imposter syndrome, to where you feel like, you know, oh my goodness, people are going to figure me out eventually. I, I can tell you personally that I struggled with this in my mind for years. Uh, I mean, up until literally just a few years ago. We're about to celebrate 11 years since we had our very first service. Uh, so I would say at least for the first eight years at Elk Point Baptist Church, I can't tell you the times that, and, and I think of particular moments. I think of times that I would maybe be uh, standing outside after church. And I think about, I would see some of our great men, godly men, cool men, and a good number of them talking. And being so, and I'm just like, so these guys are in my, come to church? Then, then I look at this other family, and I look at some of you ladies, I'm thinking, they come all the way up here. You know, some people travel in. They come here. I know you're not just coming to hear me preach. but you're, I'm the pastor here. I'm the guy that preaches. And literally for eight years, I'm like, well, they're going to figure out who I am eventually. And, then, and the gig is up, right? I kid you not. The gig is up once they figure out who I am uh, because I'm weak. I'm feeble. I struggled with this in my mind, big time. And I still do to a certain extent, not with the church as much as I used to, but in general, I'm weak. Uh, but, but God began to help me. And, 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 and why, why was that? Because I know I'm weak and feeble, just like those Jews knew they were weak and feeble. But, but thank God you know, and I know it's not about me, and it's, but it's about God, isn't it? It's not about how weak I am. It's about how strong my God is. We all have our weaknesses. We all have our vulnerabilities. But so we can struggle with that. I mean, God, you know, I, I was sitting here thinking, I, I was thinking as we had that great singing today, and I was thinking to myself, man alive, uh, would you have ever imagined that when you walked in the storefront, you know, with, the, with Dan, you had the hot dogs back there in the, the crock pot, man, we were serving supper that day, and, uh, you know, uh, did, did you ever, and, and, and with me, I, no singing ability really to speak of, so what did we do? We got up, sung two hymns, and preached. We really wowed the world, amen? But see, the, world, the, the, the great thing about this church is it, it's not built on me. It's built on the Word of God. It's built on truth, amen? And, 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 and to think that, but, but I was sitting there thinking, would you have ever thought that? I thought that crossed my mind, but I thought, yes. You don't want to know why? Because, man, God gave, gave us a vision, didn't he, for what he was going to do here 11 years. And this, isn't, this, is just, this is still just the beginning of it. But here's the problem with that. I'm still the pastor here. So there's a lot of great things that God has done and a lot of great things that God are doing. But when God begins to challenge my heart on some of the things like, hey, this is the next thing, you know. We, we were in the high schools last year. We're in the high school here in town. We're going to be stepping up and, 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 and stretching that forward a little bit. And, and whatever else that we try to do as a church, every once in a while I'm reminded of like, dude, you know who you are? You know, you can barely uh, talk and chew gum. How are you going to do any of this stuff? You're weak, you're feeble. And I've got to agree, I am weak and feeble, but praise the Lord, it's not about me. And that's the point. So you may battle with that as well. You can't do it. How many of you moms? Moms are the worst, aren't they? At beating themselves up. At not feeling like they've done enough, could ever do enough. You don't meet too many moms that just say, man, I am just it. I've done I've, I've got this. Perfect. Most every mom, the best mom out there beats herself up. Best mom out there. Uh, why? Because you're human. Why? Because you're weak and feeble. But here's the good thing. You've got a God that's put a heart in you like nobody else has. You've got a God that's given you a gift. And yeah, you're weak, but what you don't understand is your weaknesses is what's going to help display for your children later on exactly what God can do. Because here's the great thing about it. Through our weaknesses, it's true, I'm weak and feeble. You guys don't have what it takes. Is that encouraging? But they do. You want to know why? Because they got the call of God. They've got God. And, and believe me, He's enough. Amen? It's not about your natural bill. It's not about that. It's about the call of God. Where God guides, God will provide. And God's commandments are His empowerments. If He's told us to do it, uh, He's going to do it. And so, listen, God, so, so the, the, the first attack, the first attack on the mind was about their ability. How do we combat that? We say, it's true. 
But it's not about me, it's about my God. Amen? So that's how you combat that first attack. The second one, quickly, Sam Ballot ridiculed their aspirations. Notice what he says here. He says, will they fortify themselves? Will they fortify themselves? Now you and I don't read that and be like, bam! That's some serious smack talk going on there, you know. But when you, when you really see what's being said here, uh, understand this. Sam Ballot is sitting here, and the Bible says he's talking to the Sumerian army. He's talking to dudes that are trained military men. Many of them, from the time they were youths, were trained to be soldiers. These dudes are killers. These dudes are strategic. These dudes are well-armed. They have it all. Now, remember, why is, one of the reasons that these Jews are trying to build these walls is to keep these guys out. So, will they fortify themselves? So they're actually going, so, so they, you actually think that you're going to protect yourself from us. Now here's the thing. Here's the army. Here's the army. Horses, the whole nine yards. Then over here's the Jews. They see a grandpa over here with his little wife, you know, working away. Some skinny kid working on the wall. They see, they, they see a farmer that, uh, that's never picked up a weapon in his, his life. And he's the one over here on this side. They see some dude that, you know, you know, it works in the market or whatever. They're looking at families. They're looking at regular people. And they're like, will you fortify yourselves against us? You think that you're stronger than us? You think that you can withstand us? You know, some of these skinny kids that were probably working, they couldn't probably hardly haul any block or mortar. I used to be a, a, a mud boy. Anybody know what a mud boy is? Mud boy, block boy. In other words, I used to labor for a brick mason. And mud boy, it was, uh, uh, it was a term of endearment, believe me. When they needed mud, when they needed mortar, mud boy, mud, brick. And I was just out of high school, and man, I was, uh, I was pretty skinny, and I was pretty weak. And I can remember, I remember this one particular job, we were doing a chimney. And for some reason, a lot of them brick masons like to call them chimneys. I don't know why, but, uh, but it's a chimney. Uh, and so I, we have a pulley system. And so I'm having to do a pulley to get the, the mud and the brick up to where they're working at. Now, here's the thing about it. After you start doing this pulley all day, it got to where I was putting about that much mud in the bottom of that bucket. <laughs> and I'm out there dying, man. Got to get more than that in there, mud boy. And, uh, you know, but, but that's the kind of thing. So imagine that. And then, so imagine an army looking at me and being like, oh, so that's your guy? You guys are going to fortify yourselves against us? See, so that's what's being questioned here. In other words, look how weak you are. See, what does the world say to us today? You're no match for the world's experienced army. The world today would tell you that it can't be stopped. I mean, they would say that you're too late to make a difference. The world would say, we've been at this for a long time. You can't make a difference in, in your community, in your home, in your family, in your school. You're too weak. We're stronger. We're, we're more skilled. We have a plan. We have power. We cannot be stopped. But folks, I like what Nehemiah and these people had to remember. When you, when you begin to think that you're not strong enough for the fight, remember God's power. Nehemiah 2.18, this is the first thing he told them I mentioned earlier. He said, I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. The hand of God reminds us of God's power. Isaiah 40 verse 12 says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? That hand is upon me. Not only, don't, not only remember God's power, but remember God's promises. The Bible says in Nehemiah 2.20, The God of heaven, He will prosper us. So, so when, you're, when, you're, when your aspirations are ridiculed, when you begin to think, man, maybe I am too weak to take this on, you've got to remember God's power, you've got to remember God's promise. Quickly, they, they, He ridiculed their altar. He says, will they sacrifice and what he was simply saying was, so you think by sacrificing and serving your God that God's going to help you. Your God is no match for us. How many people in the world do you think believe that? That our God is no match for them. If they believe that, unfortunately, a lot of times it's because of powerless preachers and powerless Christians. But there's a lot of people that indeed believe that God's, God is no match for them. We're weak. We're outnumbered. 
Do you really think that your God is going to help you as their thing? But I'm telling you, there is a sacrifice that promises our victory. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That verse is a precursor to where the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So what does that let us know? It reminds me of no matter how weak I am personally, no matter how strong the enemy is against me, that I do have a God that's strong. And I do have a God that's given a promise. And the problem, problem is, anybody else? I think I've probably already blown it with God. Anybody else ever feel that way? I think I've already kind of missed that boat. I understand that God helps people, but I don't think He's really too interested in helping me. But the fact of the matter is, folks, we have the promise because whoever you are today, you are the same person. Whatever you've done up to this point in your life, it doesn't change the fact that he that, gave, that spared not his own son, if he will, in other words, if he's willing to give Jesus Christ for you, he will give you all things. He will give you victory. He promises what he will do in your life. Will they make sacrifice? I'm glad that Jesus made a sacrifice for us that promises us victory. Uh, and so, not only that, but he questioned their ardor. In other words, their, their ability to finish. Do they got what it takes to go long term? This suggests that the Jews didn't know how difficult it was. In other words, they were saying, you really think this is going to be easy? This is going to be a lot harder than you think it's going to be. And you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. But will they finish in a day? See, it's important that we commit and focus to and on the long term. Too often we quit if we don't see results right away. I don't know, I wonder how many of you can think of a time in your life, and I'm telling you, there's been a lot of people that have gotten an altar somewhere, bowed their head in church somewhere and said, you know what, I hear the promise of God. I want to build. I do, I want to have this life. I want to, boy, and this is exciting. And you walk out of the doors and it's like, this is great. But then what happens? Doubts. Fears, warfare, all these things. And what happens is people aren't in it for the long haul. We have got to get in our minds. We've got to understand the principle uh, that, that, that you, you sow before you reap. Uh, you know, in short term, it's easier to do nothing. So think about this. If this, could, if this would have really got in the head of the Jews, they could have said, you know what? It was a lot easier before we started this building business. And it's true. There's no doubt that not doing anything and just being subservient to the people around them and the nations around them was easier than building and putting up with the stuff they were having to put up with. But here's the thing. The things that are sometimes easier in the short term, it's going to, be, it's going to make things a lot harder in the long term. The more these nations grew, the more these people, their children, their grandchildren were going to be subservient and, and maybe possibly even slaves or massacred by these same people. And here's what I'm just trying to say about that. Things that are easy at first, it makes for things... I, I, know, I use, I use uh, diet and exercise stuff sometimes as an illustration because I kind of live my life there. I, you know, so I just try to use this illustration. So I don't want you to think that I'm trying to get on to you about your diet and your exercise from the pulpit. I, I'm really not. But I think about this. Which is easier? Going to the gym, trying to be mindful of what you eat, uh, drinking a lot of water, uh, you know, and whatever. Is that easier? Or is it easier for me to park my carcass on my recliner when I get home today Eat a half gallon of ice cream, dip, you know, dipping Doritos in it, uh, and, uh, and sitting down and getting a big old mixing bowl and pouring a whole, you know, put, pouring all the cereal in there and, and a gallon of milk. Which is easier? Pretty, that's a pretty simple question, isn't it? It's a lot easier just to sit in that recliner. But in 10 years, 20 years, what's going to be easier? See, if I start doing the things that are a little bit harder now and there's going to be some challenges, ideally, when I get a little bit older, maybe I'm not going to be fighting as many health problems and diseases and, and maybe I'm not going to die as prematurely. I could kill over today, I understand that. But you get the point that I'm making. I mean, 
Diabetes sounds harder than going to the gym and working out and, and, and lifting a little bit, you know. And, and you see what I'm saying? I know some of it's hereditary and all that, but just understand the illustration I'm trying to make. In other words, it's not always easy to be faithful in the Word of God, to be faithful to church, to be faithful in your walk with Christ. But I'm telling you, it will be easier than when 10, 20 years from now, you're wondering where that joy and peace you once had and how awesome it was to serve and work in the church really was. How awesome it was to have a, make a difference. See, the, the Satan will try to get us, well, there's such a lie in the world. Sigmund Freud said, you know, the, the, the whole purpose for, of man is pleasure. And people run after that pleasure. But really, what you really find is the people who are missing purpose because real purpose is found in doing something for somebody else, living for a higher purpose, a higher meaning, and living for God. But people that, that are missing that often seek pleasure because they're missing other things. Uh, and, and so I'm just simply saying that they, they question their ardor. Uh, so uh, and then, then lastly, and I went a little longer than I intended to, but lastly, he, he ridiculed the materials. He ridiculed the materials. Notice what he goes on to say. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? He was questioning the material, the stones that were taken out of the rubbish and so forth. He's like, so that's your building materials? But folks, I got good news. Even though our building materials are still questioned today. What do you guys offer there? You talk about life and more abundantly. What do you offer here? Well, we got the truth of God's Word, which will transform your heart from inside. Okay, that archaic book, that's garbage. We've got the Spirit of God. Well, who, who and what is the Spirit of God? We've got the local church. Yeah, okay, whatever. So they mock and they, they can make fun of these materials, these old materials. But God still uses church. He still uses the Bible and He still uses prayer. And that's what we see here. Notice in verse number 4 what Nehemiah did. Hear, O our God, for we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of their captivity. My point is this, not the type of prayer, but the fact that he prayed. Hear, O our God. What I'm trying to share with you today about winning the battle of the mind, and I'm giving you this in closing now, and I mean it, is that... There is a principle that we see throughout the Word of God. It's a principle, but it's also a prescription. I told you today, we all have a battle in our minds constantly. God can help us to begin to tear down strongholds, and, and that's, a, that, that's a deeper into the subject. But, 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 but this principle is illustrated in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 as well. Some of you remember this. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So the way that we truly win the battle of the mind is, number one, we do it by praying. We do it by prayer. And not just, not just saying a prayer, but scriptural prayer which magnifies the power and the mightiness of God. But he said this also. He said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, good support, or good support, uh, good report and so forth, any virtue, any praise, think on these things. We need to learn to pray right, think right, you can't control what you think. And you can only think one thought at a time. So you might as well determine what that's going to be. Some thoughts, you know, th thoughts, in our, thoughts coming in our minds are many times like a bird, you know, the old illustration is. They're like birds flying over our heads. We can't help the thoughts that come into our minds, honestly. Now, I can tell you this. If we fill our minds with garbage all the time, there's going to be a lot more garbage thoughts coming to our mind. But, but, but even if we're trying to, you know, not let a bunch of garbage in, garbage out kind of thing, still, thoughts just come. I bet, I bet today, I bet right now in this service, I wonder if there's anybody, raise your hand, if you would be ashamed if we could just put up on that screen right there what you've thought since you've been sitting in this church this morning. Anybody? Any raise, or you can just tell us about it later. I'm kidding, all right? Ain't that something? The thought, and you're just thinking, my goodness, where'd that come from? But here's the thing, like birds flying over the head, sometimes it's hard to control the thoughts that come over. But I believe it was, uh, I believe it was Spurgeon that said, but you, can, you, can, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from making a nest. Right? So that's kind of the thing. You, you, you stop and say, wait, okay, that came through my mind. There's an old saying that said, perish the thought, amen? 
But Lord, with your help, I'm going to claim your power. And God, I want to cast that thought down. And God, I want to grasp a thought of truth right now. If you'll help me. Give me a verse. Give me a song. But so pray right, think right, and then live right that you'll see as these people did. And I love what the result was. Verse 6, after all this, so built we the wall. They just kept doing a work for God. They just kept on making a difference. My dad taught me as we all stand today. I remember my dad uh, taught me uh, mind over matter when I was a kid. He just said, if you don't mind, it don't matter. Amen. And uh, I don't know what that has to do with anything. But I do know this. God has a life for you. If you don't know Him as your Savior, I want you to know today that Jesus Christ knows you and loves you. And that He paid a great, great price so that you could be saved. The Bible calls it a gift. The gift of eternal life. The gift of salvation. You know what you must do with the gift? Simply receive it. Simply receive it by faith. But you've got to understand first the reason He had to buy the gift in the first place is because of our sin. Our sin separates us from, from Almighty God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're willing to admit that and say, Lord Jesus, rather than my sin, I want you. I don't want this life in this direction. I want what you have for me, Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Christ and you've never in some form or another from your heart cried out, it does not, maybe not in these exact words, but something with this spirit of, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And today I turn from my sins, Jesus, and I turn to you. Will you please come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior? You could pray a prayer like that from your heart today, and Jesus will save you. Child of God, I don't know where you stand today, but man, there's a battle in the mind, isn't there? Battle of the mind. We can win it. We can win it. But I'm telling you, man, we got to confess. We need to quit hiding these strongholds we have and start confessing the strongholds we have. They'll never be torn down if we don't. I don't know where you are today, but if you're in that first group I talked about and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to do that right now. You know, it's simple. It really is the Spirit of God speak into your heart, all you simply must do, the Bible says, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you do not know Christ today, from your heart, you could pray that exact prayer. Lord Jesus, I admit to you today that I am a sinner. I want you to forgive me of my sins, Lord. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I receive your gift of salvation today. Didn't you know it's that simple? Now, it's the, the words don't mean much in and of themselves. But if you could say a prayer like that from your heart, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Folks, that, that's how simple it is to receive that gift. Child of God, we live, we, we're saved by grace through faith. We live by grace through faith. Hey, how about claiming God's victory for your life? How about quit believing that knowledge that says all this garbage about you that's not true? If it's garbage that's opposite of what God says about you in Ephesians chapter 1 and other places... Hey, quit, quit buying that knowledge. The Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. I thank you for changing my life. I thank you for being patient with a man like me. I thank you for a church that's been patient with me for the last 11 years. Uh, I pray we can keep on counting that. And that you'll continue to help me, God, to, to, to do better, to be better. But Lord, it's not me. God, it's just you. I thank you for those that use their gifts and help us all, God, to be committed to doing a work and making a difference for you, dear Lord. And we'll thank you for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.